The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 34 of the MX Vice Show. We're still here. We're still going. Lewis, there's light at the end of the tunnel for you with uh, Supercross kicking in. I'm James Burford of MX Vice, and with me is MX Vice editor Lewis Phillips. And in the studio is Rob from Jukebox Beats. And yes, we are two meters apart. Our show today is brought to you by Seven, Talon, Planet Moto, Kawasaki UK, both new sponsors. Welcome to the show, guys. Yoko, Prox, Liap, Hinson, KYB, and of course, evenstrokes.com, where you can buy all your hard parts and your gear, new brands being added daily. So, Lewis, how are you feeling? Great, you? Good, good. I'm just thinking that you must be a little bit more positive now with wheels turning. Yeah, it's actually quite um, full on as well, isn't it? Like we're recording this Wednesday morning, and it's already time for Supercross again. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? Well, everyone so, uh, knew. We've all seen the schedule. But... Well, yeah, but who, who would have knew before uh, this all kicked in? We would have been having the sort of three Supercross races in a matter of, what, seven days? Oh, uh, yeah. Sunday to Sunday. Yep. Well done. You got something right. How are you feeling about round one? Um, it was okay. It wasn't anything overly spectacular. Tomac just done exactly what? We expected him to do. Yeah, that was. I think that was a fear as well, wasn't it? Because obviously everything was kind of pointing in his direction, with it being at altitude and a dry track. Which, from all videos, it seems that's exactly what his track is like in Colorado. So I think that the fear was that he was going to do exactly what he did. But I don't think all hope is lost. I think we're still going to have a title fight yet. At least that's what I'm telling myself. Do you think um, the guys at Feld are probably like looking at the track and think, oh, how can we make this more of a championship? Uh, what can no. we do to make, it, to make the track anti-Tomac? No, the thing is, they're kind of like, if there's one round where they kind of got their hands tied, it's Salt Lake City because the dirt, like if you look back every year, the dirt's kind of gone away there. Well, I say that, it always, at the night races at Salt Lake City, it's always been better. But if you look at 2018, which was a day race, it was exactly the same. It wasn't dusty like it was, but it still had holes everywhere. It was just like you could just see how dry it was. But the thing that could shake this up is Sunday is meant to thunder in Salt Lake City. So we could have a mudder. And Saturday too. I think last time I've been looking and last time I looked, it was 50% chance of rain on Saturday and 50% chance of rain on Sunday. So that could be quite the shake up. And I don't actually know what that would do to like track prep because if it if sunday does end up being the mudder and i don't think it, if it if it does rain i don't think it will be a mudder to the degree of like san diego last year but it might be something but i don't know how much that will restrict them as far as changing the track for um next wednesday's race but we'll see chances are the, the chances are it won't be a mudder because the amount of times rain's forecast and it just 
randomly doesn't happen. Like, I think it was meant to rain loads today, and it hasn't. So, But it's something to keep an eye on. I did see some funny tweets in the week. Um, one from Tom Neil, who um, <laughs> sent in a tweet asking uh, if you'd made a raft to um, actually get to America. Yeah, to, be, to be honest, that's a great idea. I'm ashamed I didn't think of that. How um how how long have you spent actually looking at, at different ways of, of getting to America to watch the Supercross? I looked at flights, but then I was not allowed. In, no one's allowed in the country, are they? So I kind of gave up on that straight away. I'll tell you what, though. It, the thing that I can the only thing like everyone in America is kind of saying that oh, it's a whole unique thing because everyone's obviously staying in one place and then racing back to back. And the only thing I can imagine it's like is it's like going to Indonesia because that's exactly the same thing. Like everyone races on a Sunday. And then the days between the races, you just see everyone milling around and trying to fill the time because they can't really ride. Now, obviously, everyone is riding-ish um, in Salt Lake, but not really much. Like once a week, I think. Well, that's really what the schedule allows. Okay. But I will tell you what I am excited for tonight. There's a right-hand first turn. Now, that is something... That is something to get excited about. Like the, uh, the right hand first turn could shake this thing up, and it should theoretically definitely make it more of a race. Because if you actually look, Tomac had a terrible start in the main on Sunday. Like he was buried going into the first turn, and somehow, like literally, I have no idea how it's even possible. He came out in fourth. Like he just hugged the inside, but the amount of progress he made was insane. Because I would say going into the first turn, he was thirteenth, fourteenth, but. With the um the right not only is it a right hand first turn it's also with like a lot tighter than it was um uh, on Sunday so if Tomac goes into the first turn in 14th he'll come out in 14th because there just won't there's not enough room to really slide on through so that's okay. that's a little saying to but I'm actually quite excited about that we haven't had a first, we haven't had a right hand first turn I say we again I'm not I'm not involved in Supercross so I, sh- I should say they. But they yep. haven't, haven't had a right-hand first turn, I think, since, like, off the top of my head, 2016? 2017? Wow. I want to say 2016. Maybe I'm missing one. I, I tell you what I'm, I, I think you're missing. Um, I, I just want you to play back the last five minutes of this conversation um, and play it back to yourself because you're very excited about a turn and you also know when the last time that turn went in that direction, which was 2016. You do know the, rele- you do know the relevance of a right-hand first turn, don't you? I, I just think you need to know the re- relevance of, of life. Do you um, know the relevance of a right-hand first turn? I, I, I just want you to, to maybe okay, go so that's a no. ex- experience you know, different flavours of food. Um, would, you like to, would you like me to explain the relevance of a right-hand first turn? Meet a young lady. Um, I don't know. Played badminton. I don't know. Experience these new things in life. <laughs> Would you right. like me to explain? Or yes, do you know? explain. Because I think ev- I thought everyone. I think everyone knows. No, no, please, no. Please explain. Okay, you don't then. Well, it's, it's obvious, really. You go into a right-hand first turn. You can't have your foot on the rear brake and have your leg out for the turn, can you? No. So it's always a little bit more chaotic. Like, if you do you remember Jacksonville in 2011? Oh, like yesterday. Okay. Well, you should do. Um, 
Villapoto didn't qualify that night, and it was a right-hand first turn, and he got screwed over in the first corner twice. Wow. So, like, right-hand first turns do have a track record. It's not just, like, a theory. It's a, They have a track record of kind of shaking things up a bit. So, Do, do you have a spreadsheet um, dictating no, this? Every, everyone remembers Jacksonville in 2011. Yeah. Villapoto went in with a points lead and didn't qualify. I genuinely... I can't even remember what I done last week. Straight up, not through injury or illness or anything. So that's enough of a story. That's enough of a reason to remember it. Oh yeah. And then uh, Stewart crashed in the first turn in the main, and that crashed out. So like, lots happened because like everyone after the older after Villapoto didn't qualify, everyone obviously was like, oh yeah, Stewart's going to make up a load of points now. And then he went and grenaded himself in turn one. Again, right hand first turn. Now, on that, I'll, I feel like you don't want me to talk about right-hand first turns anymore, but on that... Oh, no. Oh, no, I do. I, <laughs> I want you to really carry on talking about right-hand turns, because I'll tell you what, I'm excited now. The right-hand first turn at Jacksonville in 2011 was a 90, so it was a bit faster going into the rhythm section, hence the chaos. Uh, this right. is a tight... Tonight, or last night, depending on when you're listening to this, was it is going to be, or was, a tight 180. So you're not going to be hitting the rhythm section at speed coming off of a right-hand first turn. But still, I, I'm, I have high hopes that that could shake things up a little bit and give us some different uh, outcomes. Because that's all I want, really. I don't care who wins. I just want a race and interesting. And if Tomac's going to piss off and win every race, that's not exactly much to talk about, is it? Anyway, James, how are you? Yeah, good. I'm just wondering... Um about sort of going back to racing and what tracks uh, I can... Uh, now I've got this knowledge um, passed on to me, I am just wondering what tracks I can apply this right-hand turn to. I might even speak to the landowners, the track builders, maybe get some right hands uh, put in. So, um, yeah, as soon as the season kicks off, I, I'm there. There's okay. going to be chaos. Chaos. So are you glad you got that off your chest? Uh, How long yeah. have you been thinking about right turns? It's not. You act like I'm just insane here. Every, I'd say, eighty percent of Supercross fans would have looked at the track maps and gone, "Oh, look, round twelve has a right-hand first turn." No, none of the others okay. do. That would be a, that would be a very good survey um, for us to to do for next week's show. Just how many people out there with coronavirus going on and um, Black Lives Matter and, and everything else going on in the world? How many of you have just looked at the track map this week and gone? Oh my god! There's a right hand turn. <laughs> honestly, you I, you are the gift that keeps giving, and no, that's why I, I would. I genuinely was not gonna. I was only. I only explained why I was talking about a right hand first turn because you were just clearly clueless. I wasn't even going to explain it because I'm guessing. I presume no. Everyone knows that a right hand first turn is a uncommon and b is theorized to lead to carnage. Yeah. Okay. But I am, I am genuinely excited about that because that's a little shake-up. And the track looks better anyway. I read somewhere that um, uh, Kawasaki spent the last three days um, changing um, Tomac's uh, back brake lever to left-hand side. That's not funny, but to each their own. Okay. Like, you're, actually, you're actually taking the piss out of the concept now that everyone agrees with the concept. 100%. If you go on um, Racer X, What Moto Live tonight, There'll be discussion about the right hand first turn in race reports and what have you. Okay, brilliant. Um, 
Thanks. I think it's great, and and, and I love I love your insights, what you bring um, to this podcast. But it's not insights. I'm not a genius for noticing this. Everyone has noticed this. Trust me. I think we I think we all know you are a genius, a very okay. special special person. Okay, brilliant. So, um, what else are you excited about? <laughs> what in life or? Just anything. I, I, I'm, I'm, I now need to know more. Well, I'll tell you what I'm not excited about. Okay. Uh, this is the latest Supercross of the final seven rounds, which means it's a 3 a.m. start time for those of us in the UK. Oh, wow. And 4 a.m., obviously, for people in mainland Europe. But I'd actually prefer the 4 a.m. start because at least you're closer to the morning at that point. Like 3 a.m. is just no man's land, isn't it? No one wants to be awake at 3 a.m. Um, well, nothing really much to do, I guess, at 3 a.m. Um, what, uh, what are you going to suggest? Um, what are you going to do tonight? Are you going to stay up and watch the, you're going to watch it and have a bit of a lie-in or, or what? Uh, I'll probably go to sleep and then set an alarm for free. Wow. What, what time are you going to go to bed? About nine? No, normal time. Have like three hours sleep, wake up, watch it, and then go back to sleep. If if my alarm manager just wake me up, that is. But are you sure you're going to be able to sleep? Because it's a right hand turn. It might keep you awake. Uh, I'll tell you what. My excitement level on Sunday, I did genuinely struggle to sleep. I was, I was absolutely like fully excited, like fully buzzing off the tip. Um, what what's that you're playing with? Is it? it oh, sounds sorry. Something a little bit dodgy. No, no, sorry, I didn't actually do that. I'm just picking random things up, pens, etc., paper. Oh god! At least it's a pet. <laughs> I thought you'd say penis, but uh, okay. Um, so, do you think Tomac's got this in the bag? Well, uh, if you're a betting man, that's a smart money, and yes, I do. But I'm just hoping that it's gonna. All is not lost. At the end of the day, it's eight points and there's six races. Like, and maybe we can't ignore the fact, but. Tomac had a great ride on Sunday because he dropped back, got passed by Webb and Roxon, and then turned it back on and got around him and kind of dominated. Webb was kind of pushing him, but then kind of he had it under control. The fact that he got passed by them and went back, we can't act like that won't happen again and maybe he doesn't turn it on on that night. Or like I say, right and first turn, tight, bad start. He starts 14th. Maybe then he finishes third or fourth tonight. Roxon makes all of those points back and we're back to... Uh, Level playing field going into round 13, but which is a left hand first turn? Uh, I, I haven't kept um, my finger on the pulse. I watched the race, but I haven't kept, kept my finger on the pulse after. And I don't know if there was uh, an injury or, or anything, but do we know why Blake Baggett, from, from leading the race, literally just went backwards? Arm was, pump. was there any other uh, arm, arm pump? pump. Okay. Yeah. But we don't need to go into the details like that because there's lots of. Um, Oh no! I was just using this as my catch-up. Um, oh, okay. No, I don't. Yeah, I'm no, kind thanks. of. This is where I'm at. Actually, I've been meaning to say this on the podcast in a while. So I would say that out of European media, I am most in touch with what's going on in America. I'd say I follow it the most. Not that I. That's a good. Like I'm just saying. So I'm not there, and normally I wouldn't have an opinion or analyze a race that I'm not at because I feel like that's kind of wrong because at the end of the day I'm watching it on TV just like everyone else like it just doesn't feel right to me like even at GPs like, like 
when I missed Turkey last year, I was like, I, as I was writing some stuff after bringing riders, texting riders, I was like, I just feel dirty because at the end of the day, I watched it on TV. I saw what everyone saw. Now, obviously, I talk, spoke to people, so that helped it. Anyway, so I always feel a bit wrong, but I would be at Salt Lake City, A, if I could step one, get into the country, and step B, or step two, if you want to stick with a numerical form, be allowed into the event, which is obviously a drama in itself. So I don't, like, is it okay for me to talk about Supercross and write about Supercross? Like, I don't want to seem like I'm trying to be fake and act like I'm there. But also, I do have stuff to say that I need to get out. Yeah, and I, I think you've only got to look at um, football or soccer if you're American and listen to this. But the analysts, uh, many of the analysts aren't actually at the match. You don't need to be at a match to, to see it. The amount of now TV angles and everything else which is available, a lot of the analysis and data which is collected is all through video. So I understand what you're saying in trying to justify yourself. However, I don't think, and you can, we've been at events where you've completely missed um, uh, situations because you, you've been stuck in one place. No, yeah, but at the same time, I don't want, like, I don't want people to see me writing about Supercross or talking about Supercross and people think that um, I'm trying to be Mathis or Weege or JT, like, because they obviously are always no matter what happens, even if I am at Supercross, going to be on another level. So, but I still got I still got an opinion, and there's nothing going on in GPs. So, am I allowed to have an opinion? Of course you are, because I have seen some European websites give opinions on Supercross. But I've been like, oh, that's just you clearly have no idea what's going on. Like you've clearly just written that because you're desperate to write something, and you've looked at the results and watched your first Supercross in seven years and tried to put two and two together. So I don't want, I, I'm very nervous about where I sit in people's eyes on talking about Supercross. Obviously, when I'm at the first six in the year, it's fine because we're like full, fully a Supercross website. This yeah. is the stuff that keeps me up at night, genuinely. I can tell. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. And yeah, let's not talk about too much about that anyway, because we, we've seen some crazy shit this week um, being talked about, uh, which I've seen flash up on my Facebook. And it's just like, how, how is that even going to happen? But, but obviously, people are putting these opinions and bits and pieces out because they're wanting to get clicks or, or, or whatever. Um, I'm guessing a lot of these sites now are, are dictated to by AdSense. So they need the traffic to come through in order to um, make some money. So, yeah, I kind, of, I kind of understand it in a way. In another way, I, I just think that um it's all about reputation i think that's what you care about isn't it you want yeah i, I, I care, care about, about reputation probably too much yeah yeah where most people actually don't give a shit um no it's cool well thanks for getting that off your chest um you really are going to sleep well tonight update for you oh uh, i'm playing i'm playing with a pin and it's fully stabbed in my thumb like i'm not t it's like dangling out of my thumb so i'm not sure if that's something to be worried about is it? Are you doing this so you don't touch yourself? No, I just I, I I struggle to um not touch yourself. No, just I just I'm I'm a bit of a fidgeter. Like I can't just sit on the phone. I've got to either walk around or twiddle a pen or whatever. Yeah, um, I, I don't know if you you don't have. To, well, obviously, it's great to explain to other people. But obviously, I've spent like the last eight years with you, so I, I've actually been in rooms where you've worn out the carpet, where you just walk around and around and around. Yeah. So. Yeah. Pidget away. Anyway, um, I think we should talk. I think we should stop on Supercross there because actually, no, I'll say this about Supercross. 
because this is a genuine thing that I can help people with. Like this is this is my one power with Supercross. Oh, so okay. UK UK wise, uh, round twelve, three a.m. Thursday morning, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Next, this Sunday, round thirteen, ten p.m. UK time. So good. Battle finish at one a.m. I think we can all do that, can't we? Yeah, we're all good for that. Uh, next Wednesday starts midnight Thursday morning, Wednesday night. I don't really know how you categorize that, but that'll be 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. The following Sunday is the same, 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. The following Wednesday, Thursday night, Wednesday night, whatever you want to say, uh, 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. again. And then the final round, Sunday, June the 21st, is 8 p.m. UK time, which is what it was Sunday just gone. So we've got some late ones coming up, but none as bad as tonight. The people who are going out Sunday to ride, because we can start to ride now in the UK. So um, it's sort of private hire and in, in, in those type of tracks. Those people can come in, get their bikes done, everything else sorted, have some tea, sit down, ready for uh, Supercross. I like it. Yeah. It's, I think like when it's uh, midnight to 3 a.m., I don't think that's bad at all. Like, every, I think everyone can just lay down and watch it for till 3 a.m., can't they? I know I can. 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. is where you just get a bit, it just gets a bit tricky, but we'll soldier on. Cool. And uh, it's, it's good that we're moving on from Supercross. Um, let's talk about MXGP. <laughs> what? It just makes me laugh because nothing's happening. Nothing is happening. It's like it's on lockdown, literally. No one can actually comment on anything, can they? Because nothing is happening. I've got stuff in the works, like interviews with riders, nothing special because, again, nothing's happening. But I genuinely am thinking about just shelving them until after the final round of Supercross because at the moment, I feel all we care about is Supercross, the world, because yeah. that's actually happening. Now, saying that, June the 15th, or around June the 15th, we should supposedly get an MXGP calendar. So that'll be exciting. But until then, like, okay, we can still talk double events, but... That's been known, or not known, but that's been rumoured for a month now. Like, you can beat that to death. Um, racing on Sundays, you can beat that to death. Like, that, since that email that said points at the nations, racing on Sundays, and potentially double GPs, there's been absolutely nothing. Which, not what do you expect them to do? They're not going to put out something for the sake of putting something out. But, yeah, there's nothing going on. No, like, you can see it. You can Just because there was a Supercross on Sunday... Suddenly, there are injuries people want to know about. Uh, why did Chad Reed not finish? All of this, like, it just having a race just sets fire to all of these individual little stories. Whereas MXGP not having a race for three months now, there's no injuries to talk about. There's no anything, nothing. Although, yeah. I do think we need to talk about silly season soon because that is like we're middle of June now. Well, I mean, we're not, we're on the third of June, that's quite far from the middle, but. Well, it's 14 days away from where we're walking around the pits and seeing a lot of people in a lot of deep conversations. Oh, yeah. Deals would be getting done by now. But I think at some point we should do a silly season show. But then also there's no rumors yet because no one's talking because no one's at races. So maybe we can't. No one knows nothing. Um, but you have managed to speak to quite a few people behind the scenes, haven't you? I mean, I, I read the interview with um, Dirk Grubel that you've done. And also, this week, you've spoken in depth to a former GP rider, Carl Nunn. Oh, I didn't think you were going to bring that one up. Yeah, that's not out yet, though. No, no, but you managed to speak to him, and there were some interesting points in there as well um, about his career. 
says the person who hasn't seen the interview. But yeah, there are. Great guess. No, not great guess. I know that. We were talking about um, back-to-back GPs where he struggled to finish at one and then came out in Matchams in, in one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just recycling sentences that I've told you on the phone before this podcast. It's um, amazing. No. It? I can take I can take your your knowledge and it comes out my mouth and I sound like I know what I'm on about. It's it's phenomenal. You're, you're a speechless now, aren't you? The reason <laughs> the reason for the reason for me speaking to Cole Nunn is I realised Thursday and Friday this week it's twenty uh, no sorry fifteen years since the Matchams GP, which is kind of a wow. GP that everyone still goes wild over to this day. So. I think, and Cole Nunn yeah. won the first moto that day, which was obviously big as a British rider. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to ring him and just see what he remembers from Matchams because I've got stuff I want to know about what it was like doing the Matchams GP because I was nine at that point and with an air horn. So I don't know. So I just asked about like the track. Yeah. And... What? You were, you were, just the fact that you just said I was nine with an air horn just made me laugh. Yeah. True, Good, good Carl. <laughs> Yeah. Watching Tommy try to qualify for his first GP. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that would be interesting. And to be fair, it was because I got a lot of, I got, I took a lot from that interview. I just need to type it up now, but you're kind of keeping me busy at the moment. No, well, I'm trying to. Um, no, it's good. And, and I, I think it was nice to, uh, it's a nice point where I, I had no idea it was 15 years that, you know, coming up to match him. But also it's quite nice to, um, remember kind of like people like Carl Nunn. I, I, I can remember Carl Nunn coming through schoolboys and, and just being prolifically good. So the fact that he went on to, you know, win a home, you know, win a home GP race and that you've managed to interview him and talk to him about that moment, that's pretty well done you. Also means that August this year will be 15 years since the last GP at the Isle of Wight. Damn. Time flies, eh? Means next year, uh, June next year, it'll be 15 years since the first GP at Matley Basin. That's mad. Yeah, that is mad. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I am definitely getting old. Right. On that note, let's go for a break. Uh, It's really good to have Planet Moto on board. If you're looking for a holiday in Spain, riding holiday that is, you need to give these guys a call. Uh, Great uh, to have them on board this year. We're going to talk a little bit more about them and their business in the next uh, couple of podcasts. And also, it's great to have Kawasaki UK on board. So if uh, anybody didn't know, I am actually uh, a factory Kawasaki UK rider, um, part of the Team Green program. Uh, I have a kind of a contract. So um, yeah, it's great to have them not only support me, but also support the show. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, 44-year-old factory Kawasaki guy, Team Green. So uh, great to have Kawasaki UK on board. On that note, we'll, uh, we'll go to some adverts. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. 
The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to the MX Vice Show. Good to have you guys back. Hope you enjoyed the first half. As mentioned, before we left, we have a new sponsor on board, Planet Moto. All of the factory teams head to Spain for riding where the weather and conditions are perfect. You can too. Planet Moto holidays provide accommodation, meals, transport, and more. An eight-day holiday costs just £845. Visit planetmoto.co to find out more and book now. So good to have those guys on board. And if you didn't already know, we've got a fantastic competition on the go. It's uh, to win a Yoko retro kit. And if you've not seen these kits yet, you really need to because they are absolutely fantastic. I'm going to be opening mine up today, uh, which is uh, I'm very excited about. And I cannot wait to, to get out riding and using it because uh, I might actually ride like I was 14 again, hopefully. But if you haven't seen the competition, head over to um, the Yoko Europe page. And on there, you can actually have the chance to win um, a full set of uh, Yoko Retro Kit, which is uh, in two, 200, I think it's 280 pounds uh, it retails for. You can order through yoko-europe.com or you can go to evenstrokes.com. Uh, both are available there. And um, also on Evenstrokes, we have a combo deal at the moment with uh, a full set of Yoko Kit for 15999. So check that out as well. But you can walk away with a full set of Retro Kit from Yoko. Um, you need to go over to their Facebook page, read the post, like the page, and away you go. Are you still there, Lewis? Yeah. Great to have um, these guys supporting us, along with Seven, Talon, Kawasaki, Prox, Liat, Hinson, and KYB. Interestingly, I, I did see a photo from the weekend, which did make me laugh, and um, it was uh, Roger Larson, literally on brand, everything, face mask seven, hat seven, and literally uh, sat in the middle of a stadium with no one around him. I thought that was pretty cool. I think uh, it might have been um, uh, our friend Antonovich who got um, the, sh the shot, maybe. So that was pretty cool to see. But do we have any questions this week? Uh, we do. Excellent. Is it just one or two, or do we have a few? No, we have quite a few. Oh, oh okay. 
Um, would you like to start? Uh, yeah, would you like to tell us who the segment is presented by? I would love to tell you who this segment is presented by. If you didn't already know, they produced one of the best, well, if not the best, uh, neck braces out there, well known for it when they first came out with it, but now they do the whole range of clothing. So, without further ado, this segment is brought to you by Liat. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Okay, Lewis, go with question one. Kelton Guiver, I think. Are you sure it's not Kel- Kelton? Kelton Guiver. Yes, yeah, I said Kelton. I thought you said Kelton. Yeah, Kelton. Like Carlton that's what Fresh you... Prince. No, Kelton. Uh, said, do you think it's actually realistic we're going to Russia this year? <laughs> no. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I... it's, it's not going to happen. Dirk Grubel made a very good point in my interview and said that part of the reason a lot of these countries are probably still on the calendar is because the governments haven't stopped them yet. And if either the promoter or in front pull out, then that's pulling out of a contract that technically isn't void. So, like, that's obviously not great from a business point of view. So that's probably why we still have so many events on the calendar. But to that point, I saw that. Russia's opening up to international travel like next week or something. Wow. Which makes me think, will Russia be one of the ones that goes ahead then? Because if it's, if it's one of the easiest for everyone to fly in, well, it's not, it's never going to be easy, is it? It's Russia. But if it's one of the easiest with COVID-19 restrictions for the MXGP people to fly into, maybe we do. Yeah. I, th- I think there was a, an announcement yesterday or something I read with... Um the government's looking at ways of um, collaborating with other countries at trying to uh, find a way of getting around this two-week containment. So when you fly into a a country, you haven't got to be basically, you know, wait there for two weeks before you can do anything. So I think they're looking at ways of of bringing people in, getting them tested in, in, so they're not quarantined when they land in. And that's going to be an important part of, of this going forward. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it, it, like you, you. I think Dirk's made a very valid point with um, with the contract. You know that no one's going to want to um, back out or you know have to renegotiate a contract because it can you know legal implications and, and finance financial implications are going to be um, considerable. We're not talking about a few quid here. So um, I guess that's that's on the on. But I think that the the rest of the MXGP season will be made up from countries that are able to bring people in and not quarantine them for two weeks. So I think it's going to be creating a GP calendar that is logistically, um, that can logistically be uh, put together. Not really down to contracts or anything else. I think they're, they're, it's, it's, it's a weight on their business that they need to find a, find a way through. Um, the thing that I keep coming back to is in the email from Giuseppe, he said that... Uh, the GP calendar will be made out of countries that are easy for everyone to go to. And in my mind, I'm like, well, that isn't Russia. So I'm no. automatically just pushing Russia to one side, but maybe it is. Because you've got to remember as well, Russia, the teams take crates. So it's not an overseas GP, but it kind of is in the sense of what's required of everyone. Yeah. So. Yeah. Racer998 said, what effect is this going to have on contracts since season will finish up later this season? I say season any more times. 
from what I speak to, from what everyone's telling me, it's not really that big a deal at all. You just make an amendment to the contract by two months and away yeah. you go. Like, it's not even worth thinking about. And obviously, it's not worth thinking about. Like, you're not going to have people switching teams mid season. No one's going to want that, not the new team or the old team. So, no, and not the riders either. They just want to get paid. Yeah. So, that's nothing to worry about at all. Toomsy66 said, do you think all manufacturers will delay the release of 2021 models now? Um, I don't think they will. From, from what I got told yesterday, um, there's a certain manufacturer what can't sell, you know, just can't sell enough bikes. They can't get enough, enough bikes in to sell them. Like, so from everything I've heard from within the industry, bike sales are happening. Um, motocross parts, gear, it's all happening. People are buying. Uh, we recently done a survey on MX Vice as well, which, uh, you know, <laughs> a fair amount of people um, spent time doing, which we really appreciate. And um, one of the things we found out was that people are still spending money. So whether they're in furlough, out of furlough, or, or, or whatever, people, although they weren't riding on the tracks, they were, they were updating their bikes, upgrading their bikes. They were buying new kit. And everybody within the industry is not seeing too much of a knock-on. So, interestingly, um, I don't think there'll be any delays. I think uh, some of the kit guys, um, I know for a fact, Fox um, are going to be put back a little bit, um, just because uh, from a kit point of view, they're going to have to shift the 2020 version, just move it a couple of months, and then probably clearance it. I would have thought because the 2021 is usually hits around about August, I think. So, um, yeah, I expect um, a lot of the kit, manuf- the kit brands, manufacturers for kit, they're going to be delaying it a couple of months. However, bikes, I don't think that's a problem. I think um, people are going to be itching to get back riding and ride even more than they did before. I think when you take something away from somebody, it just makes them want it even more. Dirk said that KTM was selling insane amounts of bikes, like all kinds of bikes as well. Said that no one expected it, but like... They are very much uh, doing well. And actually, Kawasaki are unveiling four new bikes on July the 7th. So that's right on time with what it would be every other year. So, And when I say new bikes, obviously you mean 2021 models. So, Yeah, and I, I think I just read this week they put a PR out where um, they have uh, gave 0% finance on 2020 models as well. Yeah, KTM and Husqvarna have done massive discounts as well, like a thousand pounds off. So, yeah, it's all so happening. You, yeah, yeah, I can't see a, there being a, an issue with with anything. But um, thanks for the question, Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, Lewis Toombs. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Forgot your last <laughs> question. <laughs> Lars Van Berkel, one hundred and seven, said, "Is the helmet fin finally coming back?" I feel like this all stemmed. Yeah, I feel like this all stemmed from Webb at Straight Rhythm. And then Webb kind of was still the pioneer at the beginning of Supercross this year. I don't think it looks that bad on Webb. But then someone at the weekend, I don't know who it was. I think it I think it might have been Marchbanks had just a god awful helmet thing. Like, oh my god. But I don't know, I'm trying to find, quickly find a photo of him now. Yeah. Marchbanks had a bloody, a god-awful helmet fin. Like, just did not look good at all. But the fact that Marchbanks had a helmet fin means that I guess it is coming back. God knows why. 
Any force chains or? No, no. I'm trying to find some pictures of Marchbanks at the moment. Yeah, but March because Marchbanks was a different color to his helmet. The fin was white and the helmet was black. I don't really understand. Like Webs actually goes in with the design, like blends in perfectly as if it's flat. But yeah, there you go. There we go. J Maud MX4 said, "Do you think the MXGP calendar will be shortened even more?" Yes, it's going to be ten to twelve rounds. <laughs> but, like, I feel like beating a Nothing. dead horse here. Oh wow! I, I I can just see. I can when you say that, I can just feel the life force, like, like literally leave your body. Well, do you want to know what actually pissed me off at the weekend? I I went through. Um, I made a little story on the site, like with times for times for people in the UK of how to watch Salt Lake City One, times for people in mainland Europe and how to watch Salt Lake City One, links and everything. I shared it on social media like twice on Sunday, and my personal Instagram, my personal Twitter, MX Vice. Or how do you watch it? It's like I've literally shared this link. Like just go on MX Vice. I do it every round. It's not like I've done it for the first time. I do it for every GP and every American race. But these people. <laughs> MMX423 said, Herlin's racing outdoors. Do we agree that he just said that to get everyone hyped up? He didn't say he was racing outdoors. He said maybe, potentially, if everything lines up, he could look at doing a couple of outdoor races to prepare for the GPs. He didn't say I'm doing the full season. He didn't say, "Oh yeah, see, I'll see you at Ironman, July the 18th. Let's go." None of that happened. Everyone's just run, and then websites put up that he was going to be racing Salt Lake City. Like, yeah, that sounds that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm sure Herlin's can see the COVID-19 situation and goes, "You know what? This is actually lined up perfectly, perfectly for me to finally try Supercross." <laughs> Did he um did he contact Trump as well to get a special order to get in the country? Well, like there's like twenty. So the person who put up that he was racing AMA Supercross, there's like twenty four individual problems with that that immediately jumped to mind. But he said he said that potentially he could do some outdoors to prepare for GPs. Didn't say it was definitely happening. Didn't say that he'll be there. Just said, but maybe that's an idea. So. But obviously, obviously, the classic way everyone's just twisted that to fit their narrative and get clicks to their website. So. I'm just before you go on, I, I've just 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 gone down a rabbit hole with um, this whole fin on the on a helmet. Um, and there's actually a company that's producing these called Motofin, and somebody's put in a well-known forum. Um, what the fuck does a, a fin do for an MX writer? And someone's replied. It gives them the ability to smell blood and attack. <laughs> just Very funny, chuckle. James. Very funny. Just made me chuckle. Hank Jan Loge, Loge, Loich, uh said, what happened with the J JGR riders last weekend and will they ride the next races? Uh, Tickle broke his other hand on the outside, whatever that means. Can that guy get a break, though? It's just, like, ridiculous. He's going to try to race on Sunday, which seems optimistic but yeah he won't be racing tonight but he's going to give it a go on Sunday and then Norren um, tweaked his ankle in practice and sounds like he's going to race tonight though. So. No. Dive MX said over the past couple of weeks I've been watching replays of every MXON since 2010 and 2016 no hold on 
Over the past couple of weeks, I've been watching replays of every MXON since 2010. And 2016 Majora is my favourite. The racing, Anderson's crash, USA winning until Webb drops it, then the Dutch were winning and then France took it on the last lap. What is your favourite MXON? You can go first, James. Okay. Um, 06 is a standout, being at Matterley, getting to see James Stewart. Um, but I've got to be honest, I think uh, just for, for many reasons, but the 2007 at Bud's Creek, it's my first time um, to watch the nations in, uh, in America. And uh, I don't care what people say. The, having the U.S. in the nations and having the nations in the U.S. is just one of the coolest things ever. And, I, and Majora was fantastic, and, and I love that event. And that was, you know, the organization, everything that went into that made that super special. But the 07 in Bud's Creek just... Uh, and, and I think the fact that it was Carmichael's last race and um, you, you got to see Villapoto like, just blow people away that day. I easily... We had, I went with my cousin and we had such an awesome time. We got very, very drunk, but, um, and we, we hung out with, uh, two guys from Japan and, uh, some Australians. Um, and it was, it, I gotta be honest, it was one of the best, one of the best ones, but that was for, for personal. We, we managed to even, um, gate crash a wedding where everybody got arrested. So that was kind of cool as well. And, uh, we managed to just somehow bump into, to Ross Hill and his dad, Colin. And uh, they were telling us about um, a group of guys who went with them. And if you're listening to this, please let us know because it was a funny story. They um, they literally signed, uh, they rent, rented a camper for the weekend. And uh, I think they basically didn't get the insurance. And as they came out of the uh, yard where, the, the, uh, where they rented the RV, they pretty much took out the side of the RV. Um, they hit a roundabout and something else fell off. Uh, literally, it must have cost them thousands and thousands. Um, but there was a whole story about, like, literally how this camper was just trashed by the end of the nations. So there were so many stories from 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 that weekend, and the racing was phenomenal. The crowd was phenomenal. It was just, yeah. So 2007 Buzz Creek was was pretty cool. Um, Majora was a good one, and also um, Denver Thunder Valley. That was pretty awesome but that was because i got hooked up with uh one of my friends is um jason gardner the former olympic uh athlete he won the gold medal with four by 100 and uh he was sponsored by red bull at the time and he hooked me up with um uh vip so i took my wife and my godson and we went there for a weekend and uh, i can remember walking into the red bull um tent with a monster hat on and uh they wouldn't let me in so i had to um take my ricky carmichael uh, monster hat off to be able to get into Red Bull. And then there was like lo- loads of people in there, like American footballers and basketball players. I didn't have a clue who, who, who was in there or who they were, but yeah, lots of people were very excited. But um, I was just excited about the free food. What about you, Liz? Oh, hi. Um, I could go on for, honestly, I could go on for, uh, MXON is hands down my favorite event of the year. Absolutely. We, it's just amazing. We could agree that no one's ever going to choose a wet MXON, are they, as their favourite? Like that just rules it out immediately. Well, again, America um, Redbud would have been, um, you know, a good one. However, we had a horrific time as MX Vice because we spent most of the, well, I spent most of the time in the hospital with Sean. So um, yeah, yeah, that, that was the worst weekend great. of my life. Well, yeah, um, you, you didn't take it very well at all. Aston was um, 
like all right, but then it rained, so that was just like whatever. Like Matley, it rained, so it rained a Matley, and it, and it was like most of all I can remember from Matley is struggling to walk around. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think I'd go. I guess I'd go Majora, twenty sixteen yeah, as well. But then I, I don't know. To be honest, from the from the nations, the most thing I remember is just having to work my ass a bit off. The, the the thing which I remember most about um, the nations and okay a little bit of glory, but we won the our first ever award for MX Vice, and I always remember us having to go up to collect the award. But in the they had the Legends of Motocross in obviously a massive massive Ricky Johnson fan. I've literally I think I posted it on Instagram the other day. I found the profile of a champion on VHS. You probably have no idea what a VHS is. Um, it's called a video, Lewis. Yeah, I'm um, well aware. Okay. Who can remember the Crash Kings VHS? There was this other thing called Betamax as well, but VHS was more popular. Even though Betamax was superior. Okay, brilliant. No one cares. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I can remember going up the stairs and um, Ricky Johnson was there and I, I literally literally made, like, got the courage up to... And I don't know why. I'm, I'm like, what was I, 40 at the time? It's, it shouldn't be a big thing. Um, you know, I've, I've seen this guy at Fowler's in Bristol. He came over for the day. Anyway, he's in, he's in the, you know, waiting to get, be presented to the crowd. And we're out there for an award. And I kind of went over and went, blah, 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 blah. And he just literally looked at me and was like, yeah, yeah, cool. And he's really nice about it. But I still couldn't manage to get any words out. So, little story there. I think, I think if, I don't know if you remember, but basically, I think it was you, Conway, and Sean were literally just behind me laughing. I remember dropping you in it with David Bailey at Redbud. What, what did you say? No, I remember you. David Bailey was sat on the row in front of us, and all you were just... I was trying to work, and you were just sat in my ear going, oh, my God, it's David Bailey. Oh, my God, do you realize how <laughs> big a deal this is? And then I just turned to you and went, why don't you go and talk to him? And he heard me say that, so he turned around, and then you had to go and talk to him, and it was really awkward because I, like, set you up. Yeah, that was the best day of my life. Apart from obviously the birth of my children, there. Um, I'll tell you what. Best nations I've ever been to is uh, two thousand and five Erne. Okay. What was was Erne in oh nine? No, not oh nine. Nope. That was it. Um, two thousand and fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. So in two thousand and fifteen, that was that was pretty special as well. Apart from the the Max incident. That was like our first proper nation as MX Vice because we'd just come off of our first GP season. So I just remember putting a lot of pressure on myself to try and do good things. But I do actually remember, the only thing I remember from the Nations in 2015 is I wrote a practice report and Racer X shared it with something like oh, some, good, go. some good stuff from European guys who Fucking know what's hell. up. And that was the first Race, time that I... Racer X. Oh, my God. Yeah, Racer X is like my hero as a company. You spend more time on Racer X than you actually do your own website. I mean, I love Racer X. Yeah, they tweeted that, and I remember just being like, I remember pretty much losing my shit. That that was more that meant more to me than any other racing or anything. Yeah, brilliant, great, great. That's the only thing I remember from 2015 Nations. Okay, Bowls Barley, that's a tough one. Yep. Uh, how long will it? How long will it be until we have one MXGP class of 450s and 250s that would just be Euros, with all of the flyaways added every year? Costs for privateers or semi-factory teams must be out of control. This is not including the COVID situation. Yeah, do you know what? Everyone's been saying this for years. Years and years and years. Oh, yeah, time's running out on GPs. Give it two years and who's going to be left? That, I remember hearing that when I was like seven. If COVID hadn't hit this year, 
there was riders in the 450 class what couldn't get a ride. So, for instance, I know for a fact that JWR were bringing in a second oh, rider, but but JWR couldn't get a second rider in because the OAT teams were full. There was no there was no spaces left in 450. So this was going. I know we've had some injuries this year, but this was going back to January when they inquired. It was full. 450 was full. Um, 250, I think, was pretty much 38, 39. So I think this is this this would have been. If COVID hadn't hit, this would have been the strongest year yet for GPs. That that's a fact. Well, you've just got look at all of the brands that are involved now. Look at like if you look around, there's so many companies that weren't involved that are now involved, which kind of makes you think. Even I don't know. I just don't know why everyone says that. Oh yeah, GP. The business model of GPs is going to kill it. But we've been saying that for 15 years, and I'd say it's stronger now than it was back then. And I'll tell you what, actually. Going back to that Cole Nunn interview, he was saying about how Japan was the weekend before Nations. And I actually noticed this a couple of weeks ago. In 2005, they went from Japan to Matchams back to back. Yeah. And that doesn't happen now. You'll always have a weekend off after flyaways. But you can understand how back then everyone would have been like, cool, that's a big ask. Like getting people to go from Japan to England in one week. But like, so in ways, it's become a, like that. Certain things have stopped to make things a little bit easier on everyone. I'm not saying that's amazing or whatever, but I just don't understand why we've got to keep everyone's got to keep beating the same old drum. Like, it's quite clear GPs are stronger than they've ever been, not just from a riding point of view, but just from a business as a whole. I can t- I can show people that by our American traffic on GP stuff because five years ago, all it was just European, and now we've got the same amount of American traffic as we have English and Australian. Yeah, we have. There's there's so many now Americans which just obviously want to follow GPs and, and, and love GPs. However, I, I I don't want this to sound like we are a you know there are there are faults in um, the GPs. We understand. We're we, I think we're pr- pretty much one of the most balanced media out there. That the fact that yes, we're close to MXGP because we go there and we invest money. We invest our own money, so we don't get any help. The only the only money that we've had um, from uh, MXGP is when we've won the awards. Have we won an award in 2016, and and then in 2020 um, we had some travel vouchers for winning it. That's the only money that we've ever had or or help from from Ustream. I, I feel like we're one of the most impartial um, people. And we try to. It's not like we're we're not anti and we're not pro. We try and sit in the middle. Um, we're not influenced and. I think they yeah, but- do. I, I think, hang on, I think they get a lot of crap for a lot of the good stuff they do. However, they're not perfect. And it's like when they first take, took over from Dorna, and, and maybe this is, there is a few things. Like I, I do believe that there still needs to be some type of prize money for privateers because factory riders are, um, you know, supported and, and they're paid very, very well. Factory riders in Europe, salaries, they get paid very, very well. However, the privateers is, is still an issue. They, they're still paying to get to the races and everything else. Now, one thing which I, I found, which was a press release with, Luanga stated that uh, after discussions with the FIM, motocross manufacturers and other parties, the following changes are imperative. So this is going back to uh, 2003. And this was released as, as a press release. Number one, to offer more rights and freedom to the organizers for their own advertising, hospitality, stands, national TV rights, 
and to produce their own Grand Prix passes. Now, I'm the, there is obviously 10 things that uh, he wanted um, to, to push. However, I'm not 100% sure that all of those have still materialized. Now, shit changes. That was 2003. That was 17 years ago. And business models change. However, you know, that, that, like, all I want to get across is we are impartial media. So as much as we love MXGP, we love going there. We love, we love reporting and everything else. We're not paid to be there. We pay to go there. We don't get any help or anything else. So we're, we're there because we want to be. Uh, we see the good and we, we see the bad. And I think we sit firmly in the middle. I, that didn't, I didn't want to go into a rant or anything. I just wanted to back up what, we were, what you were saying. But the point is, this question isn't saying, oh, there's a couple of fools. This is saying the series is going to die. There's a long way between there's one or two fools to, yeah, give it two years and there won't be a world championship. If, like, this is even harping on, the, yeah, how long till we'll have one class? Well, there are, if you look, there are actually full gates now. But I've said it before, the days of there being 22 riders of Vulcan Suard, that was like 2013. We've actually been past that for quite a while. That's nothing new now, being bouncing back from that. It's not like that. We've only just started to get over that hump. It, but there was two or three years, I'd say 2013, 2012, where there weren't many riders, even the European GBs. But for whatever reason, everyone got over that. And we now have full gates most of the time. I don't understand. I, don't, I just don't understand why everyone's got to like, try and claim that the series is dying when it's clearly not. Like, at some point, you've got to fall on your sword, surely. Yeah, I, I, I think there's many improvements they can make. However, I think is the strongest it's ever been. And, and when I was going into this year, this is the most excited I've been just because the classes were so full and the riders are, are getting so close together. So, I, 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 you know, I, I don't see it. I, 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 you know, there's the motocross action or MXGP action group and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, they, they, they need to improve on some areas. Um, however, I do feel that you know, uh, from what I've read over the last 20 years, we're lucky, lucky to even have GP still. And I think they do a good job. Um, however, I'd be the first person to call them out um, if I see anything which is, which is negative. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, Lewis, um, not a question, but on the back of this, is I've been busy in the background collecting all the race data from 1952 to 2003. So it's not you can't find too much data from the GPs back. But however, we've been slowly gathering all the data. So we'll have every 125, 250, 500, MX1, MX2, MX3, MXGP. We'll have all those results from two, well, 1952 right away up to 2020 soon. And it's going to be all put into one website, Murder Results. It's going to be shown on uh, MX Vice as well. But you'll be able to basically search through every rider in history. Um, you better click on each rider, get all their information and stuff. We'll start adding articles and linking articles to it. But it'd be kind of like a Wikipedia of um, uh, the World Championship from 1952. There was a, did you know in 1952, Basil Hall finished ninth, Lewis? Uh, no, but considering that's coming out of your mouth, I very much doubt it's true. <laughs> You're such a dick. Right, okay, next question. Chris United 93 said, who is the most resented person you've known of in the industry? Rider, team manager, etc. I think, I don't know why I put this in, because obviously we're not going to call someone out. No. But at one point, it was me, I'd say, in the British paddock. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yeah. 
before I did GPs, 2013, there was one event where everyone was gunning after a 15-year-old Lewis who had just started writing articles for MXI. Well, didn't you have writers threatened to punch you in the face? Well, do you not remember? I was walking through the paddock with you, and then I went to the toilet quickly, came out, and saw from a distance someone yelling at you about me. <laughs> I get that a lot. Um, I can also remember Bulgaria, where um, uh, you done literally. I, I'm, I'm, you have no idea about the amount of meetings I've had to go into because of stuff you write, which people aren't very happy about. It's not even stuff I write. It's more interviews now. It's more when writers say something in an interview with me, and they and everyone feels like I egged them on. <laughs> yeah. I, like I don't really understand. But there was that Brit. There was a time back in the back in my British Championship only days where I was on the edge of just giving up because I was like, everyone hates me. I'm clearly not going anywhere. But it's because back then no one was doing anything in Britain. The idea of someone writing an article with an opinion on what was happening in the racing was like, oh, we don't do that here. Like, oh, no. Oh, you've just... You've just it was because... One of the things everyone got pissed off at me about in Britain back then was because I did an article grading the teams as if it was a school report. <laughs> oh, my God. That was the most controversial article you've ever done. I gave, I gave a team a C. I over that. A C is a past. It was Neil Prince. <laughs> Yeah, but a C is a pass. Like, a C is oh fine. I can't remember. Like, but that's that was the attitude back then. I completely forgot about that. That that article. I can remember Custis Gorse. Oh my god! Yeah, that's, what, that's the event I'm talking about. Yeah, literally, I can remember just walking around. It's like I needed a fucking tin hat on. It was so bad. I've never known so many people. Only one person had a go at me because no one knew who I was because I just started. Yeah, that that was funny. I, I th interestingly, and and I'd love to talk about this if we, if if we we do sit down and do a history of MX Vice just to give people an insight and an idea of what we've been through over the past few years. I know there's a lot of people out there which really don't like me, and the re one of the reasons they don't like me is because I've always been very keen to um, be honest and and say exactly what I think, and that is fine until you start fucking about with people's livelihoods. And people base motocross on their livelihoods. They've built businesses, for good or for bad, through motocross. And when you start actually having an opinion or actually being honest about some of the things they do, wow. And I don't know if this is worldwide, but in, in the UK, the, the, there's a few people which you, you, you get. And, and again, you give people opportunities. You give people chances. And when they're not good enough and you try and find a way out for them and help them because they're not good enough for, for, for MX Vice, oh my God, I might as well be Satan. So yeah, there's, it's, it's a very, very, it's really weird. I've never had it in, in, in anything else, agency, life and, and stuff like that. Everybody works together and, and helps each other. British motocross, holy shit. They would literally... No problem killing their mum or nan or burying them to make a little bit more money or or get a little further ahead. You know, there's there's just so many snakes. You know, I, I've I, I know of people who've had sponsorship from from um, you know a particular um, brand, and literally the day after, uh, another team's going in there telling them how they've made the biggest mistake of their lives and they're much better and everything else. So like, not not kudos to this team going out there and finding brands from outside the sport. 
there's then somebody else who's telling that, that brand. They've picked the wrong person. And they, you know, it's just like, Jesus Christ. Uh, the, I'd love to talk about British motocross at, at, at some point in, in what we've gone through. Um, because it would really, people would be alarmed in the crap what I've, I've seen and had to go through. And every time we speak out or we do something, I just get vilified. But anyway, it's not about me. The problem I had when I first started with British Motocross is, like I say, no one was writing opi- opinion things. Because, like, like I say, I take a lot of inspiration and stuff from growing I've got in my room downstairs, I've got hundreds and hundreds of old Race Rex magazines because I just refuse to throw one away because they're like my Bible, what they were when I was growing up. Yeah. So I, and I liked reading opinions on American racing. And, was, and then, so when I got a job, got an opportunity to write for MX Vice for free, We'll get shouted out while not being paid, which is great. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll write some opinions because no one does that. So I'll just watch them go to the race. I'll watch it. And then I'll give the opinions. And I, I wrote that someone probably would not have held on to the lead for as long as they did had the track not been so one-lined and got threatened to be killed. Was that, um, was that Farley Castle 2013? No, no, that's a, I'm talking about another one. Oh, okay. This Sorry. Is, this is Canada Heights. So I don't want... Well, this is, this is Cusses I'm talking about when I got threatened. Oh, so this, is, this would have been the 2015 season. No, this isn't 2015. You're way off. I think. Oh, no, I am. Yeah. No, it's not five this years is ago. Before, yeah, I, because once I got into GPs, I was like, oh, wow. In GPs, everyone kind of like... First year Cusses was used for um, a British Championship. Yeah, yeah, in, um, in yeah, and I, I never had a problem. I was really worried that I was doing the wrong thing in that. And then in GPs, everyone, no one had a problem because it's actually treated like a professional sport. I guess I don't know. Yeah, right. We're going to go for a, a little bit of break. I know we got some, we got a couple more questions, haven't we? After the, after this, well, we got one. Okay, let, let, forget the break. Let's do this last question. No, let's do a break. Okay, let's do a break. <laughs> okay, um, huge thanks to Seven Talon. Planet Moto, Kawasaki UK, Yoko, Prox, Liat, Hinson, KYB, and evenstrokes.com. If you haven't remembered, please pop over to Yoko now. Go win that custom kit. Honestly, you won't regret it. If you, if you come away with that one, you're going to be very, very excited. Uh, we'll be back in five. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at Evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out Liat.com for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. 
Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to... Episode 34. Can you believe it, Lewis? 34 episodes we've done. That's just unreal. Uh, uh, and, we're yeah, still, and we're still here. Still, get, still, get, still getting questions. People are still listening. It's like, we must be doing something right. No, I don't know. There's a lot we do wrong as well. <laughs> yeah, there's a shitload we do wrong, but that comes with the territory. Um, right. I do believe we've got one question left. Yeah, what a way to end. Okay. Jim Bobberoonie D said, what GP tracks from the past do you wish you'd been to and what current GPs do you really rate? Okay. Uh, do you want me to go first? If you like. Okay. Uh, ones that I wished I went to was uh, Neymar. Obviously, I uh, didn't get a chance to go there, and I'm really pissed off and gutted about that. Sun City in South Africa, a GP in South Africa, I think would be very, very cool. Never been to the country, but just like that combined with um, the track in, in actually a, a GP in Africa would be, it is freaking cool. And also Sugo in Japan, because I can just imagine that was pretty epic. Like, and again, obviously, KTM Austria is, is, is like had a obviously a big impact in the, over the last sort of 15 years. But up to that point, the, the bike manufacturers were predominantly, you know, the big four in, in, in Japan. So it's kind of like the home of motocross bikes. So I think those are the tracks just with, and the reasons why um, I would. And I, and I think... I think obviously watching a British guy like Billy McKenzie win a GP in Japan would have been pretty special as well. So those are the my, those are kind of my regrets that you know there's probably a good chance. Well, some of them never ever going to happen. But one which I'm glad I did go to was Lirop before it was. Um, it's not been used. I think I think it was 2013 I went to, and uh, I think that was one of the toughest tracks I, I think I've. I've watched very, very good riders struggle on. And I've even got a picture of um, uh, Clement de Salle who fell off on his sighting lap. That's how difficult that track was. That uh, a rider of that caliber literally just fell off on the sighting lap. So I'm glad I, I, I managed to, to get to that one, but those are the other ones which kind of got away from me. And I think the problem is, is it, my really, I, I got back into GPs and, and everything else from. The 06 nations onwards. That's what really kind of lit my fire because I had a, a period of um, when I was 15, I had to give up uh, motocross. Uh, my mum and dad split up, so I had to uh, give up everything. And I was a, 
I was a half decent schoolboy rider. Never going to make it big, but I probably would have, you know, maybe won a race or something in the AMCA or something. I don't know. However, I took a sabbatical from the sport because I just couldn't. I'm not one of those people. Like, for instance, I I couldn't watch anything or do anything to do with with motocross. And uh, it it took me 15 years to get over having to give up motocross to to get to a point where I got a bike again and and done it. And it's the same for football. I gave up football when I was 26 and I I couldn't bear to watch football again because I couldn't play. Those are the those are the the tracks which I kind of missed out on because really I only got back into watching GPs again in um in two thousand six. What about you, Lewis? Well, the first thing that pops into my mind when I think of this is when I first started doing GPs, um, Aguada was off the schedule, and I remember having lunch with Sean Simpson in Mexico in twenty seventeen. Yeah, 2017, and saying, like, oh, yeah, one track I wish I could go to but I've never been to is a grader because it always looked unreal. And he genuinely looked at me like I was insane. And yeah. I was like, what? I didn't understand why he was looking at me insane. Like, it was insane because it was like my dream. And he was like, yeah, it's not that good. And I was like, no, it looks amazing. Uh, and then eventually we went there and it wasn't what it looked like on TV. I really liked it, though. So although you were disappointed, I actually really liked the track. Well, I think mainly because, well, this is clearly wrong, but I swear when I used to watch it on TV when I was younger in like 06, the dirt was orange. <laughs> so, so hold on. You're disappointed <laughs> no. that, that, that the soil wasn't more orange. <laughs> yeah, yeah, carry on. And then it's all in like a bit of an industrial state, which I didn't expect. And I don't know, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, you, yeah, that's not what I thought it was. But to be fair, I think a lot of that industrial state has is, is recently been built. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just, I just wasn't... I was very... That was like the one I was very much excited to go to that I was quite disappointed to about. I, I think one of the ones which I was quite surprised at was Bulgaria. I didn't realize what? how good the, the Bulgarian GP was. The track and the facilities and everything. I, I was yeah, like... Yeah, point. And, and given that, like... Like, uh, this is no offense to Bulgaria, but fuck me. It, I've never been so scared. I've never been scared with countries, but Bulgaria, I have been a little bit like, holy shit. If we get stuck here, we're, 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 we're not in a good place. Yeah, I made you go. I know. I know. Well, you didn't want to, yeah, and quite rightly, it's a good job you did. But um, I couldn't believe that when we got to the track, like in a, in a place which was obviously, you know, they, it, and around the area, it was very, po- you know, poverty. They've literally just had roads. So you get to the track, and it's this phenomenal setup. And the track is awesome. You're just like, how the hell is this track and this setup in this place? And that's not being detrimental to, 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 to the, uh, the country. It, it is what it is. It, it is. I'm sure there's very nice places in Bulgaria, the beaches and, and, and all the rest of it. But where we were, it was... Uh, it was not the most uh, affluent place. Bell Peak's another one that I wish I could have gone to, but that's because when I was properly young and like fully all over GPs, Bell Peak and Aguada were always um or mostly rounds two and three. So I don't know why they just always stuck out in my mind as like big ones. I think because they were so early in the season, young me was like, well, that's a big event. Like 
you know, doesn't get lost in the season a bit. Yeah. I'll tell you what current GPs are right. Do you want me to talk about Latvia? Yeah. I, I know I know you're a big fan of Latvia. No, I've talked about Latvia a lot. My only thing about Latvia is just I don't know, because you, you only have to stay you have to stay in Riga and it's like forty five minutes, which turns into what feels like an hour and a half drive because there's speed um, cameras everywhere now. So that's my only my only bugbear with Latvia is just how long it is to go from Riga to to the track. That's but the track is great. I do love the track. Well, it's not just the track I love. I love everything about it. And we would be there next weekend. You just like it because there was a really good pizza place there. No, I just love everything about it. I just thought it was. I think it's like close to the airport. Like some GPs, you have to drive two and a half hours from the airport, so that's not fun. But it like this is ten minutes from the airport, so that's amazing. Like I don't know, I just love Latvia. I like Tushintel as well. Tushintel's good. Talavera was good. I'd like, like, I've been there, but I'd like it to come back. Yeah, I would. Um, I've never been there, and that's one which um, I, I'm very keen to get to. I'll tell you what, Tushintal. I never look forward to Tushintal, and whenever it comes to going to Tushintal, I'm always like, oh, Tushintal, that's a bit boring. But then whenever I get there, it's always amazing, and I'm like, I wonder what. I don't know. I'll go like I'll repeat. You play it down. Like, I'll go. I think it's I, in the week leading up to it. I'll be like, oh, this is a shit round. Uh, I'll get there and be like, wow, this is actually really good. Oh, I can't believe I thought, oh, I don't know why I thought it was shit. But then the next year, I'll do exactly the same thing. I was actually, um, what are the, go, going back to Aguado, one of the things, because they, they ran the WMX there, and there's a huge jump in the bottom. So like the bottom of the, you're like, it's like a little bottom valley, isn't it? Yeah, there's like a tabletop at the bottom. And freaking hell, there's no, no way on earth that people could pay me enough money to hit that. That jump is big and scary. It just shoots you straight up in the air. I had a different level of respect for the women that were hitting that tabletop that weekend because there's no chance. And I was like, oh, man, women thing. But there was just, that is scary. Just downright scary. And uh, the women, that, that just shows the, the ability of, of um, women's motocross, world motocross now because they were phenomenal on that track. So I actually did enjoy You really think that jump's that big? Well, I don't yeah, look at that jump. Wow. Yeah, I, I think it's just, it just seems brutal the way you hit it and it just throws you up in the air. I mean, we've seen some big jumps on the MXGP circuit, but that one looked, that didn't look fun. So yeah, that, I actually watched the, the WMX all day that day because I was just like, you know, wow. Fair play. I'd like Charlotte to come back. I think I mentioned that recently. That was a very yeah, good have. GP. Yeah. yeah. That, that would be one that I'd be very excited to see back. Um, Switzerland was quite good. That isn't even a question what GPs we want to come no, back. No, no. Switzerland was crap. I, I, we had this conversation not long ago when we were talking about uh, what do you like about it? The walk to the track was just ridiculous. You need like a moped. Switzerland, the track is... is it might as well be Milton Mazer or whatever that name is. It's literally a, basically a goat field with a load of fucking jumps in there. I've, I've never been so... Oh, it's, it was terrible. It, the whole day was terrible. I was so over it. You know, just when I got there, I was literally stood in pit lane just looking at it thinking, this, this is not motocross. This is just like a bit of scrap land with a load of... It felt like very Hilton Park. Remember Hilton Park, the British Championship one? Yeah. Next to a dump? Yeah. That, oh my god, yeah. So I'm glad. 
I'm glad Switzerland's not that. Sh- when you think of the scenery in Switzerland, and we get put next to a cement factory on a bit of scrap land. It wasn't a land. cement factory. It was a um, sugar factory. Whatever. It was a bloody factory. Speaking of that dri- the drive in Riga to the track, though, do you remember where we stayed in Switzerland? Yeah, that was pretty phenomenal. But that's what I'm saying. An hour and 20 from the track. That killed me. Yeah, but look at the scenery. That was amazing. Absolutely We were basically amazing. up on that. Everyone else stayed five minutes from the track, but for some reason, for some reason, when, I, when it came time to book a hotel, I just didn't know how. I couldn't find one close to the track. So I found this apartment that was up, literally up a mountain. Like, you can't get any more up a mountain. It was an out-of-season out ski resort. <laughs> That's the best way yeah. of describing it. We had that far up a mountain. It was a ski resort. I don't really know. But it was a mate. Like, it was a like, perfect Wi-Fi. Like, I'll sleep, on a, I'll sleep on the floor as long as I can have Wi-Fi. Because, obviously, if I fly to a GP and then don't have Wi-Fi, I can't do my job properly. And then I feel like everyone's judging me. And... What track was it that you, you booked a hotel... And we were, it was, oh. I think it was me and Sean, and we were driving up a mountain in a four by four. And the ledge of the road is like, it was only wide enough for the, for, for the truck that we were in. And I was like, we're going we're gonna to die. Right. This story. Like, what the, right? Where the hell did you find this? Like, did you get it for like £10 or something? No. So this, this was Majora 2015, which, which was our first season doing GPs. I was very young and inexperienced at that point. I had no idea what I was doing. and was just trying to make a name for myself, blah, blah, blah. So we did Italy, and I was in charge of booking the hotel for the first time. <laughs> oh, I remember the story. Yeah, let me finish the story. Being, uh, how old would I have been? 2015? 20. 20. It's not that hard. You're 25 minus 5 is 20. Uh, no, I would have been 19 at that point. No. So I, and I'd never had an experience of booking hotels or like trying to do it right. And I found this hotel that was quite cheap. I had a swimming pool and everything. Not that we ever used it, but I was like, it looks amazing. That's, that's all right. And the mistake that I made is... I didn't look... I didn't actually Google Maps how far it was from the track. Like I, I looked on Google Maps and it wasn't far from the track, but I didn't do directions, so I didn't actually get the drive time. So I looked on Google Maps, and it was close, and I was like, yeah, that'll do. And then we did the drive, and it was very long, because although it was quite close as the bird flies, you literally had to drive up a mountain. It was at the top of a fucking mountain. There was no... And it wasn't a small mountain. It was massive. At one point, you had to stop and then properly clutch it because you just lost power. Yeah. It was... I, I can't... I can't, everything we, we would describe this, it would not give it justice. And the funniest thing was, is Lewis booked this. Lewis went for a year of booking hotels because he wanted swimming pools. No, so he kept looking my at theory hotels. was. You did. My, no, you did. At that point, you kept, yeah. You at wanted point, swimming pools. You don't even like swimming. Let me finish. At that point, I had a theory of, well, if a hotel's good enough to have a swimming pool, surely that means it's all right. That's kind of what I was going off in my do, mind. Do you want to describe to people... Do you want to describe to people what happened when we arrived at a property and you looked at a swimming pool? What, just explain what the swimming pool looked like. Yeah, it was green. Disappointing. It, did it, it didn't even have any water. There was no water in there. I just wasn't, I wasn't expecting to go swimming. I just thought it looked good. I was like, if this property can afford to have a swimming pool, then it must be okay. Because if they can afford to have a swimming pool, surely they can afford to have good Wi-Fi and stuff like that. That's kind of what my theory was when I was young and dumb. They, they couldn't afford to fill the swimming pool. 
And even if they did fill the swimming pool, there was no way any of us were getting in there. We wouldn't have got out. So, yeah. Well, I gave you a story, so... Well, I think... Okay. Um, it, you, you're not on your own with booking real bad hotels because I remember when we booked Ernay in 2015 for the Nations, we were a little bit late booking it because, as always, we didn't have any money. So we're always waiting for a little bit of money to come in before we can book stuff. And uh, I think probably this one we probably put on one of my credit cards because we were skint. And uh, I remember looking at the prices of Ernay and it was just like crazy money. We finally found one hotel. It was on Airbnb. No, it wasn't. It was on, um, <laughs> it was on uh, booking.com. And we turned up and, oh my God, I got to put my hands up to this one. It was, it was so fucking bad. It didn't even really have a door on it. It didn't have a door and I don't think it had any windows. It was like a barn. It was like a barn, but not a converted barn, just a barn that someone yeah. had decided to put on booking.com somehow. Yeah. And literally we turned up, it was very, very dark and no one spoke any English as well. So we all walked in and was just like, oh, what the fuck? We can't, we're not, A, we're going to catch something or, and, and be very, very ill or, or B, we're just probably going to get murdered in the night because everybody was looking at us really weird and we just didn't feel safe. And it was this crazy journey to get there. So I think we then had to drive an hour a day to and from the track from a budget IBIS because that's all we could afford. Well, it's not all we could afford. It was the only thing that was free. The closest as well, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was... I got. Erna is really bad for hotels being close by. Really bad. Probably yeah. the worst one, I'd say. But those, those two incidents were... Yeah, I, 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 it's all coming back to me now. I can remember those uh, like yesterday. It was funny. But yeah, that, that going up the mountain, that was every time coming back every day, I used to really hate that journey. The journey was fine until you hit the mountain and then you were, it was, I think it was right when it was, was it 20 minutes to the, the mountain? So it didn't seem that far away because we went past all the Ustream uh, hotels and stuff like that, which went that far away. But then it was like a 20, 25 minute journey up the mountain. Yes, yeah, because you're just snaking back on yourself constantly and like, yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, good, good times, though. Good times. Is that it? Is that all the questions? Yep, I think so. Excellent. Well, thank you to Seven, Talon, Planet Moto, Kawasaki UK, Yoko, Prox, Liap, Hinson, KYB, and even Strokes. If you get a chance, head over to MX Vice. We've also got some new projects on the go. I'll talk about those uh, a little bit more on next week's show. And we definitely, definitely got to do a history of MX Vice seeing Lewis. Yeah, we'll do it when there's nothing going on. Okay. Which is every day at the moment in Europe. <laughs> we really appreciate everybody who tunes in and listens to us uh, waffle and, and talk about things and our opinions and stuff like that. As always, without you guys, there is no MX Vice. So um, we're, we're so appreciative of everything people do. Whether it's sharing our posts, comment on a post, you know, talking to us, sending us messages on Twitter or, or whatever. It, we really do appreciate it. And we actually do read all this stuff. So, um, and we got things set up so that anybody mentions MX Vice, we, we, we see it anyway. So, um, yeah. We'll be back next week. Um, I think the podcast will be going out Tuesday uh, next week. Uh, for the foreseeable future through Supercross, we'll be posting on Tuesdays. That's it. Thanks again for, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, say bye, Lewis.
See ya. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. The MX Vice Show. 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 Show